guys, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host. And I am loving, 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 loving the feedback that I'm getting from you guys uh, this new year, 2022. I've already had a bunch of cards and little notes in the post, which has been so special to receive uh, input from you guys on how you're finding the podcast, what you're enjoying. Uh, and what it is really inspiring you around your faith, which is so, so exciting. So thank you so much uh, for all the uh, care that you've put into writing little notes and things this term. Guys, we are going to explore something this morning that's a little bit different. I, keep, I feel like I do that very often. This week we're going to do something a bit different. Uh, I, I, in this podcast, I try to explore a breadth of things. Um I often try to cover lots of different things in lots of different ways and different spaces uh, because there are so many different listeners with different needs. And also what I'm essentially trying to do is teach discipleship and theology in a way that most people don't realise that they're learning theology and they're learning discipleship. Uh, but it's just covering a breadth of different issues and, and different topics uh, so that we really do cover all the four corners of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. In today's episode, I want us to be thinking about our choice and use of words. Now, I'm not specifically talking about swearing or foul language uh, in in terms of just, just a dirty mouth. I, I want to talk today specifically about the name of God. Um, I was in the shop across the road from my house uh, the other day, and the guy in front of me uh, obviously was paying for something, didn't have enough money, and suddenly shouts, to the guy behind the counter, oh, Jesus Christ. They have an argument, he storms off. And it's interesting how the name Jesus Christ can mean so much more to one person than it can to the other. Uh, why is it used as a profanity? Why is Jesus Christ used as a profanity? Um, but I want to explore this a little bit about why is, why is the name of God so sacred that we might approach it in a sacred way? It seems that the Jews made God's name so sacred that they forgot how to even say it. So there's a period of time somewhere between about 300 years before Jesus and 100 years after Jesus where uh, there's a specific name we find in the scriptures, which I'll share with you in a moment, gets lost. And they, they forget how to say the name of God because it is so sacred and so holy. And... For me, there's something about intimacy. There's something about names that are intimate. When you get to know somebody and you really get to know their personal name, uh, th there's an intimacy there uh, that you that you get. So a lot of my friends know me as Rabbi Rogers. It was the name that I uh, had when I was at school. I'm still on a friend of mine's mobile phone as Rabbi Rogers. So there are friends who I would bump into and will go, ah, Rabbi Rogers, uh, because that's just the name that they, they that they have for me. Then then there's everybody else. Everybody else knows me as Chris. My name Chris is spelt without a H, C R I S. Um, but then there is another name that a small and very small select few would ever use and it's the name Christopher 
Uh, and I, it only ever gets used really when I'm in trouble. Uh, or my dad uses the, you know, calls me Christopher. Uh, everybody else calls me Chris. But there's an, there's a growing intimacy there, isn't there? Uh, those that call me Christopher, that there's an intimacy in that relationship. And the same is with the name of God. God gave us a name that is high above every other name, and that that name is sacred and it's intimate and it's personal and that's what we're going to explore today is the name of god so friends i pray that you find this interesting and inspiring and we'll jump straight in now So I want to jump in this morning by teaching you a little bit of Hebrew. And I'm going to go to the ancient, ancient Hebrew. If you were to find yourself in a cave in in Cana, and if you were to find yourself in a cave where somebody had been doing some cave writing, uh, you may find an ancient Hebrew that is not made up of letters. It is simply made up of two pictures. In Genesis chapter 1, we're told that Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Elohim barat the ever, ever, um, heavens and the earth. Elohim is the uh, name for God. It literally is just translated as God. So it's it's such a broad phrase. It's not a name. It's it's a it's more like you know God. It's a state statement. It's a title, isn't it? Uh, so Elohim uh, and El is is where you get uh, the word God from. E L. If you were to go into a cave uh, in the Middle East and there were some cave drawings, you may see two symbols on the wall. Those two symbols, those two pictures, are. Uh, symbols that indicate uh, the, the name of God or this 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 title of God, and the two I- uh, images are one of a staff, a one of an ox's head. And these two images together, the staff, shepherd's staff, and the ox's head together, is what would later be translated as El or Elohim, and. These two pictures are meant to conjure up in your mind something about this God, tell you something about this God. So, uh, number one, let's just think about the ox's head uh, for a moment. The ox's head is all about strength and it's all about stability, it's about authority. You know, Jesus talks about my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The yoke, the oxen's yoke, was a yoke that held two oxen together and they would often put an older oxen with a younger oxen. Younger oxen is stronger, um, but the older oxen is wise uh, and has the ability to, to keep on going, knows how to keep churning up the soil for planting uh, as the ox kind of turns the soil over. So there'd often be an older ox and a younger ox. Uh, the older ox wise and stable and strong. And so the first symbol that is used in Elohim in those caves would be the ox, this symbol of stability. And uh, 
And the second symbol is that of the shepherd's staff. Now, a shepherd uses a staff to direct the sheep, to protect the sheep, to pull the sheep away from the bracken. Uh, A shepherd's staff is about direction. And it's about taking your sheep on that journey through the wild places uh, for safety. So in other words, uh, Elohim, El, is the God who is strong, authority, uh, is capable, uh, directs you like the shepherd. So isn't it interesting? Uh, the, the, one of the earliest names for God in, in the original Hebrew is an ox and a, and, a, uh, and a staff. Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. He talks about his yoke is easy, his burden is light. You know, Jesus ties his imagery of his preaching into the very images that are tied into the symbols that we used for God. Does Jesus ever say that he is God? Actually, he's doing it all the time. He's tying his imagery into that uh, that would be understood to be that of God. Now, one other little quirky little thing here I find really interesting. Um, A king and a queen wear a crown. A crown originally... Uh, was created to represent the strength of the ox, uh, oxen's horns. And in fact, the word crown in its, in its earliest uses uh, comes from the word horn. So a king's crown is the king's horns. And the spikes that you see on the crown are there to symbolize the horns uh, of the oxen. I think it's pretty cool. Time goes by and Hebrew starts to emerge. And what they do is they start to take these pictures and and you now have another picture form of Hebrew. Now, I'd love to show you what some of these things look like. So I'm going to put a, a, a PDF linked in the show notes. So if you want to click on that PDF, you can see the, these images of these three uh, or four names of God that I'm going to be using today. Because the next one is actually quite difficult for me to try and explain uh, in a podcast. It's seeing it sometimes rather than because it is a picture. Um, but what happened after L, the ox and the staff, Hebrew then starts to develop and it starts to get a little bit more clever. And the name of God uh, that we find in the book of Exodus is the Hebrew name Yahweh, Yahweh, four Hebrew letters. Now, the Bible, the Hebrew that the Bible was written in is a much later Hebrew. We're going to come to that in a minute. I want to talk about the this this middle form, this earlier form of Hebrew. And in this earlier form of Hebrew, rather than having letters, it's four symbols. And if you were to look at the later Hebrew and these earlier symbols for Hebrew, you can see where the two kind of connect up. Uh, Hebrew is read, read from red to uh, uh, from right to left, and the name of God that is found in Exodus 3 is Yahweh. And in the earliest Hebrew writings, this name has four symbols. The first symbol is that of a strong arm. The second symbol is almost imagine a stick man with his arms up in the air uh, in surrender. The third symbol is that well, it looks like a Y, but it's actually a peg. And the fourth symbol, again, is the stick man with his arms up in the air. So the man 
with his arms up in the in the air, links to the Hebrew letter he, Yah He Va He H E He, and the 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 man with his arms up in the air is literally surrendered to surrender to the almighty god this god who is powerful but it's also as you raise up your arms the, the idea was that as you raise up your arms you would breathe in so there's, there's a link to breath in here as well um and then these two other symbols that you have so you've got the arm the strong arm which is all about uh, the strength of God. The right arm of God is the arm that he uses to defend. It's the arm that he uses for power and strength. Uh, you know, David talks about the right arm of God, the strength of God. So that's where the first symbol comes from. It's a symbol of an arm. Second symbol then is of the man with his arms in the air. Third single sim, uh, symbol then is of a peg. Now the peg is all about camping. Uh, you live in the wilderness and you pitch your tent. You peg it to the ground. You hem it to the ground so that when the storms come, it's pegged down. This is about security. This is about being stuck to the ground where you're safe and secure and a god that hems you in holds you in is it interesting the scriptures talk about as being hemmed in by god um so the name of yahweh in this ancient hebrew the arm uh the arms in the air uh the peg and the arms in the air these these four symbols symbolize to us that of um the strength of god the security of god uh, and the surrender that we have to God. It's a beautiful uh, ancient Hebraic name that's in picture form. And as the name of God developed, as the Hebrews started to create their uh, written language, they end up with four letters. These four symbols become four letters uh, that mean Yahweh. Let me just read this to you. So where does the name Yahweh come from? Uh, this is Exodus 3. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of the fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? There's all these gods, hundreds of gods in Egypt. Like, which God are we talking about here? Then what shall I tell them? Because it was all these pagan, uh, it was really interesting. Is This is the moment where uh, the unknown God starts to become known because there's all these pagan gods that were around. There the, the, the were the Baals the, and the Els, these gods that um, uh, were classed as Canaanite gods. We, you know, became known as more uh, pagan gods uh, that were had been around. And this is where uh, the God, the creator of the universe, revealed uh, to Abraham and, and now to Moses. His name is formed. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent you. Now in the Hebrew word, the word I am there is the word Yahweh. Yohei four Hebrew letters, literally translates as I am the existing one. I am the one that exists. So I am the one who simply exists. The name Yahweh can be translated. It's quite fun. If you put 100, 100 rabbis in the room, you'll get 100 different responses on what this name means. So we translate it into the English as I am. Uh, it's better translated as really as a phrase. I am the existing one. I am the one who simply exists. 
can be translated uh, to be or a pure existence can be translated as um, I was, I am, I will be, you know, past, present, future. I am, I was, I am, I will be. We translate it into English simply as Lord, as four capital letters, L-O-R-D. Wherever you see the word Lord in four capital letters, that is where it's the name Yahweh. Uh, where you see Lord in small letters, it, it's not Yahweh. It's actually uh, more likely to be uh, a name uh, such as Kurios, which can also be translated as Lord. Um, but it's uh, it's most likely a Greek phrase uh, for... for um, master that kind of idea or lord in terms of governance it can be translated into the latin as jehovah so if you've ever heard anybody say jehovah uh, the word jehovah is the latin uh, translation of yahweh and there's an interesting uh, understanding of the name yahweh uh, that comes from a more mystical translation it's not it's not in terms of language but more in kind of uh, or etymology but in more in terms of um what's going on with those letters uh has been understood uh to reveal something of god so if you were to say yahweh or hyo hey va hey uh you you've got this breathing in and breathing out you could practice just saying it now yo hey Va, hey, as you speak those letters and you breathe in, you're breathing in, you're breathing out. And uh, there's a beautiful rabbi called Rabbi K uh, Kushner. And he said, so God's name is the name of existence itself because it's God breathing. So it's like Moses says, God, you know, what's your name? And God says, ah. So the mystics have said that, you know, life begins when you start whispering the name of God. And and life ends when you stop whispering the name of God. So as long as you are breathing, you are going, yo, hey, va, hey, you're, you're breathing in and out the name of God, which I think is such a quite a powerful image, uh, name of God just being pure existence in itself. So God says to Moses, Moses, my name is Yo Hey Va Hey. I am pure existence. I'm the one that that simply exists. I was, I am, and I will be. The name of God is sacred and holy because it's revealed in this intimate way. By the time of Jesus, the name of Yahweh wasn't being used. They would have other phrases and other terms. Um, it's interesting. You know, they talk about God being the power. Uh, or God being the Almighty. Uh, so they'd have all these other names uh, for God that they, they would use. You know, you think about uh, Voldemort in Harry Potter. Uh, you know, his name, you wouldn't mention it because of fear. Uh, well, actually, it's not quite the same with the name Yahweh. Uh, they wouldn't use it because it was so sacred and holy. Um, so they might call God instead Adonai, my Lord. Uh, Hashem, literally the name. Uh, they might you know, say Hagibur, you know, the power. Uh, so they have all these other names for God um, that they may use because the name of Yahweh was just so sacred. So with all of that in mind, uh, Proverbs 18.10 says this, The name 
of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. The name of Yahweh is a strong tower. I love what we're doing here is using picture language to understand the name of God. God is a tower of strength, is a place of protection, is a place to hide, is a place to run into and put the things that need to be kept safe. It's like a castle. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, a strong castle. The righteous run into it and they are safe. God is a place of safety. In fact, even his name, Yahweh, is a name of safety. I love that the name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Leviticus 19.12 You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am Yahweh. It says in Leviticus 19.12 You shall not swear. Now that's not swearing in terms of profanity. That is about uh, using God's name in a way to try and make an argument swearing so um i may say i swear on my mother's grave I'm swearing on my mother's grave that i will not do that uh, you know jesus says that your yes be a yes yeah no be a no you should be able to just say the truth and people will just believe you you don't have to you shouldn't have to swear jesus says but in leviticus it says you know don't swear by the name of god don't say on the name of god i promise you that i will do the washing this week don't use god's name in that way because then when you don't do it it has totally cheapened the name of god so obviously there were people who were using God's name at some point as a way of saying, uh, I swear in the name of Yahweh that I will dot, 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 dot. And, and God says, don't do that because when you don't then fulfill that thing, you are cheapening my name. You are leaving my name in tatters. My name is too sacred for that. Leviticus 19.12, you shall not swear by the name falsely. So profane the name of your God. I am Yahweh. Exodus 20 verse 7 says this, you shall not use the name of Yahweh your God in vain. This is about swearing now. This is about not using God's name uh, as a profanity. So when I was in the shop the other day and I heard that guy using, using Jesus's name uh, as a profanity, that's kind of what's going on here. Do not use the name of Yahweh your God in vain. Now, what it doesn't say here is do not use uh, the name of Yahweh or any other subsidiary of that name uh, in vain. It doesn't say that. It says don't use the name Yahweh in vain. The name Yahweh is so sacred. Well, is Jesus' name so sacred then that we shouldn't use it in that way? Look, I would say totally. Um, because, and I'm going to explain a little bit more about the name Jesus in a, in a second, but uh, I think any use of any name, uh, that is cheapening the name of God uh, or a name that we may use in a different translation is always going to be uh, classed as using it in vain. You know, you, you um, just because you don't use the word Yahweh, just because you use the word Jehovah, oh, Jehovah, um, doesn't mean it's any better. You, you're cheapening the name and the sacredness of God. Um, so that's Exodus 20, verse 7. Matthew 6, 9, I love this. Pray then like this, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, holy be your name. I love this. God's name is so holy. Jesus has put it into the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, holy be your name. Yahweh. 
the holy name of God that's even mentioned in the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus, let's talk about him for a minute and his name. I don't know if you know this, uh, Jesus actually isn't called Jesus. Uh, Jesus' name is Yeshua. Jesus uh, in the Aramaic, the name that Jesus was known as was Yeshua. Um, uh, the the Hebrew where this comes from, the root word, it lies in the name Joshua, um, which we'll come to in a, in a second. The Latin, so when the name of Yeshua is translated to the Latin, it becomes Isus, which is where we then get the name Jesus from. So Jesus is a is a is a, an anglicized version, of, essentially, of the original Hebrew Yeshua. So if you bumped into Jesus two thousand years ago, and you would have called him Yeshua. Uh, if you talk to a Messianic Jew, they will talk about Yeshua. And um, if you uh, talk to uh, a Muslim in the Arabic, they would use the word Isus or, or Isa. Uh, we so we use the word Jesus. Um, can we call Jesus Yeshua? Totally. Why don't we? We just we just don't in the Western Church. Although if you you use the name Yeshua uh, in uh, in in many settings uh, outside the West, they would get it um, because of, they know where it's coming from. So Jesus uh, in the Aramaic and the uh, Hebrew Yeshua. Um, one other thing just about this, I just think it's really interesting. So Moses is the prophet of the Old Testament. Moses, who's the great liberator. Jesus is the new Moses in the New Testament. And Jesus follows in the tradition of Moses. And what's interesting is who followed Moses? Joshua. Uh, it's interesting then in the New Testament, Jesus's name, the root name of Yeshua is Joshua, uh, which for a Jew is really quite significant. One of the arguments that often is made towards um, Jews that are coming to faith is, is that Jesus is the new Moses. Uh, Jesus comes as the greatest liberator, the Messiah figure, uh, uh, kind of following in the line of Moses, which is why uh, this get you know this goes over many of our heads. But the Gospel of Matthew is written in five parts. The the Torah was written in five parts. Uh, Jesus preaches in five sermons. Goes up onto the mountains like Moses goes up onto the mountains and he preaches five sermons. There's there's so many like little nods and, and and nudges in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus is the new Moses. So Jesus is called Yeshua. And I just think it's such a beautiful name. Why don't we call him Yeshua? It's so lovely. We'd say the same, though, about Jesus if we didn't use it that often. So let me just end with this, then. So everything I've just said. Let's pull this together. Is Jesus the same God that we find at the burning bush? Is Jesus the same God? Revelation 1, 8. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. There is no debate no debate in Jesus' mind who he is. Well, of course, now he, he's resurrected. He's now in the heavenly realms during Revelation. He's, he's speaking uh, to John. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Notice this, this I am, uh, the name Yahweh. Uh, we translate it as I am. So I am the 
Alpha and the Omega. If the name Yahweh is uh, I was, uh, I am, uh, I will be, Alpha and the Omega is the, the beginning and the end of the Greek alphabet. It's like, uh, in, you know, it's like Jesus is saying I'm the infinity. Uh, it feels continuous, doesn't it? Alpha and the Omega from the beginning to the end. Um, I am. So in the way that Yahweh is, I was, I am, and I will be, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He he was and he will be, uh, says the Lord God. And then Jesus says this, who was, who is, who was, and is to come. Now, what's really lovely and what I love here, uh, in the original Greek, the this little passage, the Greek here, who is to come, it's it's uh, probably neatly translated as as about to arrive. Um, who is who was and is about to arrive, and I think what I love about this is you know, we believe God has worked, we believe that He's working, and there are those moments where we feel like where is God right now? Like, wh- wh- has God abandoned me? And Jesus says, no, I'm the God who is about to arrive. I'm just around the corner. When you think all hope is lost, ah, just around the corner. I'm coming. Don't worry. And what I love about this, I'm coming. It reminds me of the father in the prodigal son running towards the son who's coming home. Uh, It's the God who is moving towards you. Uh, I am the God who is, I am the God who was, and I am the God who is moving towards you. I'm coming, I'm coming at you, kids. I'm coming to you. Um, so Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the Lord who was, who who is and is to come or is coming at you. Uh, so the same God that existed at the burning bush, Moses, go liberate my people. My name is Yahweh, Yohei, the God that exists, pure existence. My name is so sacred. It's just, it's just existence, my friend. Jesus says um, then in Revelation that, you know, I am the Alpha and the Omega, I'm the beginning and the end. The, the God that you met in Exodus, I'm the same Lord. I'm the same Lord who was, who is, and the same God who is now coming at you. Uh, the beginning, the middle, and the end. Uh, I, I love this. Now, the phrase he starts with is, is I am, which is how we translate Yahweh. Now, what we've got here is just the Greek word, I am. It's, it's not that he's using the word Yahweh. But I love that even here in the I am, there's this nod and wink for us uh, to the I am translation for us uh, of, of the Hebrew name. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is coming at you, is about to arrive, the Almighty so friends i want to ask you this question we believe in a god whose name is so sacred so holy that we must keep it sacred and holy we must use it in such a way that we bring glory to that name because it is so sacred we don't use it in vain because it is so beautiful and in that name we have a god who is past present and future and i want to talk about that future just for one last 30 seconds friends what's going on in your life right now where do you need to know God coming at you? Where do you need to know that God is about 
to arrive for you. He's just around the corner. What is going on for you where you need to know he's just about here? What it, where is that? Health issue, work issue, relationship issue, ch- children issue, finance issue, health issue, mental health issue. You know, what is it? What is it? Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we believe that you was, you are, and we believe that you are coming at us. You're on your way. So, Lord, we want to pray you're on the way in today. Lord, wherever we need you, wherever we feel absent from you, your name itself promises us that you're about to arrive. yo hey va the God of pure existence. Lord, we want to pray uh, today that you would be our oxen and you would be our staff, that you would be our strength and that you would direct us. God, we also want to pray today that you would be that right arm of strength, but you'd also be the peg that hems us in and secures us down. And our response to you in all of that, Lord, is pure surrender with our arms in the air, trusting you that you have all that we need, Lord. And we pray that in the powerful name of Yeshua, uh, the resurrected one. Amen. Friends, until next time, grace and peace.